Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and thank you for joining us on Luke 21 Radio. We're in episode 20. We're still looking at St. Paul's exhortation in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 19 through 22, where he encourages the testing of prophecy. And that's what we want to talk about today, testing prophecy. And by this, I'm talking about the New Covenant charismatic gift of prophecy. There is the Old Testament prophecy, and if you gave a prophecy in the Old Covenant and it was a false prophecy, you were stoned to death. In the New Covenant, we don't do that, just so you know. And in the New Covenant, there's two types of prophecy. In a sense, there's the prophetic word that came from the mouth of Jesus and the apostles, which became public revelation, which is encompassed in Scripture, sacred tradition of the church. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a gift of prophecy that has a word for the moment, and here's how St. Paul says to test it. Do not quench the Spirit. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Do not despise prophesying. And the reason people might despise it is because there can be false prophecies, so you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But instead, St. Paul says, test everything, and then you have two things to do. A, hold fast to what is good. B, abstain from every form of evil. So testing is absolutely necessary. And St. Paul's command today would be that we test prophecies that we hear, that we read, particularly those we read about on the internet and any alleged revelation or apparition. We need to test these things. Now, if you are not trained to discern and test, as St. Paul is saying, you are literally playing with gasoline that's on fire. Let's say just because you can boot up a computer and click a mouse or swipe a smartphone and do an internet search for Catholic prophecy or Christian prophecy, that doesn't qualify you to evaluate prophecies. I'm not going to tell you what these things are today, but there are prophecy topics or statements that are so commonly accepted in Catholic circles. See, I've been a Catholic for over a quarter of a century, so I dare say I have heard some of these things over a hundred times from very conservative Catholic websites, but these Catholic prophecies or the understanding of Catholic prophecy, these have A, no foundation in Scripture, B, no foundation in church fathers, C, no foundation in Catechism of Trent or the current Catechism of the Catholic Church, and D, no foundation in papal writings, and yet they are commonly and widely accepted. I'm not even—that's not the topic today. All I am saying is if you're not finding what is digested as a accurate prophecy, if it's not in Scripture, it's not in the Church Fathers, it's not in the Catechisms, and it's not in the Papal Writings, you're on thin ice. 
I'm not saying it's not true, but you're on thin ice. You want to put yourself on solid ground, and that's why we're trying through these broadcasts to give you the foundation so that you can test prophecies to see whether they're true or not. Now, there's a a portion of the New Testament that basically tells you if you're qualified to test prophecies. In other words, you've grown beyond the infant or baby stage of Christian understanding of truth and doctrine and scripture, and you need to be beyond that stage to get something as high octane as trying to test a prophecy. This test or this level of maturity is found in Paul's letter to the Hebrews. It starts in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, but it actually runs right through. There's three verses at the end of chapter 5 that are very much connected with the first two verses of chapter 6 of Hebrews. And let me read it. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of God's Word. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their faculties trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. And here you have it. You need to have your faculties trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. And again, a prophecy I'm talking about a current prophecy, uh, you know, can be very dangerous in a sense that if you simply accept what some Christian or Catholic friend uh, claims is true and it's not tested, you're putting yourself on exceedingly thin ice. So you have to have your faculties trained. And it's very interesting in the Greek here, this word, and you're going to get it as soon as I pronounce it, is gymnazo. The idea is you go to the gym and you work out. Uh, You don't get strong by going to the gym and lifting weights or doing some kind of exercise one time or two times. No, it's a part of regular practice. You've trained. You've done the gymnazo. Your senses are trained, but how are you trained? Well, you need to know the first principles of God's Word. You have to have those down solid, but the epistle to Hebrews is criticizing these people, saying, you should be teachers by now, but you're still infants in your understanding. You haven't done the training of your faculties to distinguish good from evil. Now, what are these things? Well, now we go right into 6.1 of Hebrews. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ, these are the first principles, and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, with instruction about ablutions, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, there are actually several things mentioned in these two verses. I'm just going to get to a couple of them. But I have for you today four questions that will help you very quickly determine if your maturity level reaches an understanding of the basics of what is being taught about for the maturity to actually 
test prophecy. If you don't pass this test, I recommend you stay away from internet prophecies and books of prophecies and first digest scripture, fathers, catechism, and papal writings. After that, then you might reach a level of understanding so that you can evaluate a prophecy. But let me give you the four questions. And by the way, you might be paying, let's just say you have four kids and you're paying thousands and thousands of dollars a year in tuition for your Catholic school, or maybe even your Catholic college. Ask these four questions to your children to see if you're getting your money's worth. And it's by heartbreaking experience, uh, I've seen bright young Catholics, the majority of which cannot answer these questions. And, you know, I listen to a lot of apologetics on the radio, and I love apologetics, But if you really want to stop the exodus from the Catholic Church to evangelical churches, just make sure your youth group, your CCD class, and most of all, your own children, even your own homeschooled children, have the answers to these most basic questions, or otherwise somebody's going to think they don't have the basics, and here they are going to a Catholic school or being trained in a Catholic church. They have to have these. These are the first principles. And Hebrews is saying, hey, it's time to grow up. You should be teachers of these things by now, and you don't even have them. Okay, here's question number one. You've heard me say this before if you've been with me here on Luke 21 Radio as well as Faith and Family Radio, but here's the first question. What is the primary reason God should allow you into heaven? This is the question of all questions. What is the primary reason God should allow you into heaven. If you're driving, just think out loud, and you might even just say it out loud. Nobody's going to listen to you in your car, okay? Or if you're at home, you might just actually write it down. What is the primary reason God should allow you into heaven? And here here it is, uh, real quick. If the subject or direct object of your answer is Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, grace of God, you've got it. Your faith depends upon God. But if your answer is primarily I or me, uh, without any reference to God, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, or Jesus, then you are trusting in yourself for salvation. And trusting in yourself for salvation Uh, isn't a really great uh, future ahead of you until you switch to a trust in God for your salvation. If you want help with this and we want to help you, send an email to askthehost at gmail.com and we'll recommend some resources for you, easy to obtain. Again, that's askthehost at gmail.com and that pertains to any of the questions because we got three more. Number two, Describe in a couple of sentences or even a brief paragraph the Christian hope for the resurrection of the dead. Okay? And there are two answers. Basically, you know, I hope my soul gets taken to heaven for all eternity. Uh, That is not the resurrection of the dead. Uh, What does it mean that Jesus rose from the dead? What does it mean that we believe in the resurrection? If it's a resurrection of your spirit or soul, well, you could be just like the Egyptians or another 
dozen of world religions. That's not Christianity. Christianity is a hope for the resurrection of the body. The body you put in a grave, the Christian hope that it comes back out, just like what happened on Easter morning. And again, uh, we're willing to help you with some resources on this. Just email us if you need some help, askthehost at gmail.com. I need to know about this resurrection of the body. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that this is of first importance. Here's the third question. Who is Jesus? And give the most accurate answer. I'm going to give you four options. Who is Jesus? A man? God? Half God and half man? Or fully God and fully man? You have to believe and confess that Jesus, that person who grew up in Nazareth, who worked in a carpenter shop, who ate, who drank, who walked, who built charcoal fires on the beach to cook fish, you have to believe that this man is Lord. That means Lord God. Unless you believe that Jesus is fully man and fully God, you haven't reached first base of the game of Christianity. And I was just using the illustration of baseball, but this is first base. And then finally, can you find the epistle to Romans in your Bible? Hand somebody a Bible. Can you find the epistle uh, to the Romans in less than a minute without using the table of contents? And have you read through at least three books of the New Testament? You have to get the elementary doctrines of Christianity down before you even venture near trying to test a prophecy. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 20 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.